Welcome, everybody, to Community Concepts on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Now, on Community Concepts, we talk about topics related to the community and employment, particularly pertaining to individuals outside the average workforce. In this episode, we're taking a look at the aging workforce in direct care and how mature workers and even senior citizens are working with older individuals as nursing aides and even home health aides. To discuss these particular areas, we have Abby Marquand joining us. Abby works for the Paraprofessional Healthcare Institute, where she is responsible for research and analysis on policy issues that affect the direct care workforce, as well as the elder care and disability service industry. Thanks for coming on today, Abby. Thanks for having me. Now, jumping right into the topic, essentially, I mentioned we're thinking about the idea of direct care. For those who aren't sure, maybe not, uh, don't understand exactly what that encompasses, can you fill us in on what qualifies as direct care? Yeah, sure. Um, well, when we talk about direct care, we usually mean um, three different occupations, home health aides and personal care aides that usually provide um, services and supports to people living in their homes and communities. These are people that are in um, need of assistance with activities of daily living um, and also sometimes what are called instrumental activities of daily living. So things like um, helping people get to medical appointments, um, um, helping them with meals, but also things like bathing, um, ambulating, things like that. So it's really long-term um, services and supports in the home. And then we also um, include workers that work in nursing homes and provide those types of services in those settings. And those workers are called nursing assistants. So when we're talking about the workforce for direct care and, and sort of looking ahead, what sort of opportunity is there? I mean, are we looking at good job growth, lots of opportunities? Well, how could you break it down for us? Well, actually, direct care jobs are really among the fastest growing occupations um, in the coming decade, and they're projected to actually produce some of the highest numbers of new jobs. So this is you know, pretty remarkable in an economy that's pretty stagnant. Mm-hmm. So in home care especially, we um, expect growth around 50% um, in the next 10 years. So it's pretty dramatic. And we we expect growth in nursing home jobs as well, but it's really primarily in home and community-based settings. And direct care jobs are growing so rapidly in large part, you know, because of the demand, you know, there's just an aging population and then also a lot of people wanting to receive services and support in their homes. Um, But also these are kind of low barrier to entry jobs. They require very little training or education. So um, there really are um, a lot of opportunities in this field. So has there been at all a struggle to fill these positions or is there a perceived, uh, I don't know, disconnect between who would be filling these positions? You're talking about all this this growth, especially 50% for home health. Are there any concerns over having enough people to actually fill these spots? There definitely are concerns. The demand is huge, but these jobs um, traditionally are of very low quality. So so the pay um, is traditionally very low. For home care workers nationally, the median wage hovers around $10 an hour. Um, And in some parts of the country, it's considerably lower than that. Hmm. And then um, the work tends to be part-time, especially in home care work. So around 50% of these workers only have part-time hours. And almost half of those workers um, only are working part-time because they can't find more work. So it's not necessarily a very stable occupation. And a lot of these workers end up living um, in poverty, really. Um, It also 
there really are few job supports. So very few of these workers have employer-sponsored health insurance um, or things like paid sick leave. So, so it's difficult to recruit people um, into this work because the job quality, you know, generally speaking, is not very high. Sure. And the turnover ends up being high because of that. Mm-hmm. So how do you, if you're an organization or you know, maybe a private company, how do you I don't know, draw people in? How do you entice them? What's, what is the appeal that could help fill those positions? Because as you said, there are opportunities there. It just may not be as ideal as some people would like. Well, um, in our organization, we really do believe that these jobs can be improved, the quality of the jobs can be improved, and, and that can help recruit workers. And we, we've seen agencies actually improve their jobs and still manage to do that while being paid through Medicaid or other publicly funded programs. And there are ways to um, stabilize hours for workers. You know, there's just scheduling practices that that can really assist with that. And then there's also ways to improve the wages and benefits for these workers if people are willing to do that. So, you know, it's, it's a really tough market out there. And, and, you know, the economy is generally, I think, driving wages down. So there has to be public policy initiative mm-hmm. to really want to improve these jobs. And I, I think it's an important thing to do. We as an organization really feel that way. When it comes to, and you mentioned a lot of the work, uh, especially in the home health, tends to be part-time. Is there at all a push or an emphasis or any sort of recruiting to have people who already have a job but contribute maybe some part-time to get some extra extra money to um, just be useful and helpful in the community? Is that at all um, a side of it that you guys look into or is that not really something that's tapped into yet? You know, I'm I'm sure it's being tapped into kind of in local economies, mm-hmm. depending on you know how things are. Um, we we don't examine that um, very closely. I, I don't know that it's that easy to get to get a handle on the amount sure. of that that's actually happening out there. But I I would I, I'm sure that that's happening. And definitely when it comes to older direct care workers who are providing this work, I think for a lot of people actually the part time hours work well if they don't necessarily want to do full-time work there's opportunities here that are part-time and and that can work for a lot of people well you brought up the idea that a lot of mature workers and even you know those that are of be retirement age are helping out and, and working in these positions is that something that's just more recently happened and and why is this occurring the the older workforce well i i think there's always been an element um you know, of this type of work that, that appeals to an older workforce. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, just life experience and, and, you know, perhaps having been a caregiver in a different capacity in their lives, either maybe for their own aging family members or for their children. Um, and so this type of work often becomes a logical um, next step after perhaps they retire from a traditional career or their children leave the home. But we, are, we have seen growth in the past several years. And I think that in large part that has to do with economic security. Mm -hmm. And we see, you know, a lot of poverty um, among older people. And so there are people that actually have to continue to work well past the age that they would like to because they don't have the retirement security they expected. So um, this work provides an opportunity to bring in more income. Although, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's really these are poverty level jobs in a lot of places. So sure. it's not the most ideal thing, but it can bring supplementary income for older people who need it. In talking about some of the older individuals who might be working in these positions, what would you see are the benefits to having 
an individual working with somebody who's maybe close in age, maybe have had similar experiences, uh, what, what is the benefit to that? I definitely think that, you know, there's an emotional maturity that comes with age that's really beneficial in a, in a caregiving situation. You know, I mean, that's not universal necessarily, but I think that generally speaking, that that, that can be really helpful in, in providing personal care to somebody. But definitely the connection between, um, I think, the worker and the person they're providing care for is very important. So if, if you know, these people spend a lot of time together, mm-hmm. you know, right. and also engaged in very kind of intimate and personal tasks. So you really do have to have a good level of trust um, with that individual who's providing those services to you. And I think that there's something about maybe having somebody from the same age group or, you know, that feels more like a peer that could make some of that easier um, or more comfortable for people. I mean, it's not always that way. Right. There's plenty of successful relationships that, you know, among caregivers and, and the people they work for, you know, where the age gap is large. But, but definitely there's a lot of potential um, of having common ground um, between o- an older worker and, and the person they're, they're providing care for. And on the flip side, then, what would you say could possibly be some drawbacks if you have an, an older workforce that's helping with, say, elderly or, or disabled? Well, um, as I mentioned, these jobs really, they're not of the, of the highest quality yet. You know, the wages are low, the, a lot of these workers are uninsured, and especially in that gap between before you, act, you qualify for Medicare, if you're a worker in this field, you're, very, you're not very likely to be getting um, health insurance through your employer and you could be uninsured. And as you get older, um, you are probably more likely to have chronic conditions and functional limitations yourself. Sure. So to not be insured is, is obviously not a good thing. Also, these jobs are actually very dangerous, um, especially in nursing homes. The injury rates um, in these jobs are some of the highest of all occupations, which really surprises people. Mm-hmm. They're pretty high in home care, too. And it's because, you know, a lot of this work is very physically taxing. It requires helping to lift someone, to position them. It, it, it requires a lot of physical activity that can be very strenuous on the body. And we see a lot of people suffering from injuries that take them out of work for extended periods of time. So as people get older, you know, we imagine that, you know, a lot of that could become even more problematic. Sure. So that, you know, that's something to definitely be concerned about um, when we recommend this work to older people. Well, as we talked about earlier, there's a, a plenty of opportunity there, and maybe somebody really is in a position where they need a job. Maybe they really want to get into this this field and, and do some work that they feel matters. What would they be looking at in terms of essential skills or personality traits that you would say either are essential to being successful or really will help you along the way? Well, I mean, I think you know, naturally having compassion and empathy is absolutely key to being successful and and enjoying this type of work. But also having good communication skills um, is is very crucial. And, you know, we actually provide training. Our organization has a branch that provides training and it really focuses on on communication, which is really key to having a successful relationship between the caregiver and the person that they're providing services for. So, those things are very important. In terms of formal training, it depends on where you work, but generally speaking, there's not very much. If you work in a nursing home, there's 
there's more required training than if you work in home care where um, in, in certain situations you may not be required to have any training at all. Okay. We, we advocate that, you know, for workers to have the skills that they need to provide this type of service um, safely for themselves and the consumers um, and also with, you know, to to ensure that they treat the person they're caring for with respect. And that's, I think, something that really can, training can be helpful with. Right. With work like this, especially, I mean, you, you're talking about, you know, 50% growth with home health aids and just growth in general because of just an aging population. How much of it do you see as a community thing and a respect thing and, and being able to help those individuals? I absolutely think it's, it's about community and it's about respecting people that need these types of supports and services. A lot of these people are among our most vulnerable and, you know, regardless of what their lives were before they were in need of this support, I just think that as a nation in our communities, we, we really have a responsibility to protect protect the most vulnerable people. And our long-term care system, the way it's set up right now, there are very many flaws that, and and it's it's difficult to provide the type of care um, with the dignity and respect that these people deserve, you know, kind of given the way the system is structured right mm-hmm. now. So, you know, a lot of it, I think, has to do with public policy changes where we actually demonstrate that we want the system to work better for the people that, that need these services and support. Sure. Um, but I also think that, you know, there's a lot of people that are providing care to their family members, you know, for free. <laughs> you know, I think, I think as a community, there's, there's a lot of opportunity even in an unpaid, you know, way to actually assist with friends and family that need some day-to-day support, you know, before they actually have a paid caregiver helping them. There's, there's ways that we can all help each other. Well, Abby, we definitely appreciate the conversation on this subject. And of course, um, you know, we'll keep an eye on how everything's, how everything moves forward in terms of opportunity and outlook. As a final takeaway, just from this conversation, what would you want to leave the listeners with and how maybe people can help or anything else you'd want to talk about? Uh, as I said, a final takeaway from the conversation. Well, I, I really think um, advocacy is, is key to improving um, a lot of these issues, and it really helps to have people who are dealing with the system speak up about this, you know, the flaws that they see. So I think you know, all of us at some point will either need long-term care or, or need it for a, a loved one, and so we're engaging with the system, and we all have the opportunity to advocate for change and improvement, and for us, that's around the workforce, um, and, you know, we, we really love to see other people engaged in advocacy to, to help improve the system overall. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time here today, so we'll wrap things up here on Community Concepts. And again, this topic of direct care and also touching on the subject of mature workers in that workforce as well. Our guest today has been Abby Marquand of the Paraprofessional Healthcare Institute. Abby, thanks again for giving us some insight into this subject today. Thank you. Of course, we always want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So go ahead and send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you do have any comments or questions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm Tim Yuma. Take care, everybody.